Welcome to the First Baptist Church Keller Sermon Podcast. Each week we make available sermons from Pastor Keith and our staff on our website, fbckeller.org. And on iTunes, search for First Baptist Church Keller TX in the iTunes Store or in the podcast app on your mobile device. And now here's our pastor, Keith Sanders. Let's take our Bibles, please, and open together to the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 27, our text this Easter Sunday morning. Should not surprise you that on Easter Sunday morning, the passage is the story of a person who was resurrected from the dead. What may be a little surprising is that that person in question is not Jesus. It's the man named Lazarus, a very close friend of Jesus. So let's read about it today. John 11, 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, Behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, The Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who's called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let's go also so that we may die with him. And so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that there will be the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of this, his word. And the title of the message this morning is, Do You Believe This? Obviously taken from Jesus' question to Martha in verse 26. But there are five declarations in this text that I want to point out to us this morning that every true Christian, every believer in Jesus Christ, 
must know with assurance that we believe. The first one is found right away in verse 1, that this sickness does not end in death. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Now Jesus had close friends as a young adult, many of us do and did, a family of siblings, two sisters and a brother. Their names, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They lived in a little village, as the scripture tells us, two miles outside of the holy city of Jerusalem, right there on the Jericho Road, a place called Bethany. And Jesus often visited the siblings when he was in that area. And in fact, it was in their home that he stayed during Holy Week, and then he would walk into the city during the day and back at night. Obviously, these events happened before Holy Week. It's another event. Jesus had gone away into a distant land. He had told them where he would be, and uh, he was doing what he did. He was teaching with authority, calling people to repentance. He was healing the sick when Lazarus grew sick, and not just with the sniffles. He was obviously uh, very sick. And his sister was so concerned, they sent a messenger to go fetch Jesus, tell him to come quickly and right away. And their expectation was that as soon as Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, that he would drop everything else he was doing and come immediately. Now that tells us of the closeness of the relationship between Jesus and these siblings. But surprisingly, that did not happen. We know that Jesus, in fact, delayed his coming, simply declaring to everyone in earshot, this sickness does not end in death, but for the glory of God. That is the first declaration we must believe. This sickness does not, believe, or does not end in death. Now, knowing what we do about the rest of the story, that in fact Lazarus died, in fact was probably already dead, Jesus made that statement, it seems that Jesus was wrong. Or maybe he's being even cruel to these sisters. We know that's not the case. Note the wording, this sickness does not end in death. This is true for you if you're a believer here today. No matter what affliction you're suffering from, it does not end in death. Now, last Sunday morning, we, might, we met rather together for one combined service outside under the big tent. It's the first time in many years that all of the family got together in one service. But Saturday preceding that service, I came up to my office here on the third floor, as I often do on Saturday afternoons, to print out my sermon notes. Now, I typically have six or seven pages of loose-leaf notes, and I just stick them in the cleft of my Bible, and they await me for Sunday morning. But remembering that we were going to be outside and knowing the Texas winds, I decided I better uh, secure my notes a little better last week. So I went on the hunt for a three-ring binder and a hole punch. Well, I found the hole punch, but I could not for the life of me find a three-ring binder. I'm pretty much helpless when there's not ladies in the office to assist me. <laughs> Finally, as I gave up, I came back to my desk, and there, standing up with a, a group of other books, was a, a white binder, but it was bursting full of paper. So I said, well, I'll just remove the paper and put my notes in there. But, but as I opened it up, the, the paper was not were not notes, they were not past sermons, they were funeral announcements. And I remember that some months ago I decided to keep a better record of all the funeral services I was preaching and I began after each service to put the funeral bulletin and announcement in the folder. And it was full. 
And so I removed all of those folders and I stacked them neatly on my desk and there they remained for the, the next week until Thursday of this week. I finally got a chance to browse through the stack. And as I looked at each picture and read the announcements, I found that almost all of these people had been dear friends of mine, faithful saints and members of this church. And I was reminded of this passage, and it's why I'm preaching it today, the words of Jesus, this sickness, and all of them had sicknesses, does not end in death. Now Jesus knew, of course, that Lazarus would in fact die, the point is that for believers in Jesus, death is never the end. It's but the beginning. And I wonder, dear friend, do you believe this? I pray you do. I have in my Bible here a copy of this week's prayer request. And these certainly aren't all of them. These are the ones we know about. Several years ago, we had to go to eight font double-sided. That's a lot of people. And so many of these people are seriously ill. We have people with cancer and kidney failure and heart disease and every other affliction known to man. But I can look at you today, no matter what the doctor has told you, and said, if you believe on Jesus, this sickness does not end in death. Death is just the entrance into the presence of the Savior. In fact, Jesus used that beautiful euphemism that Paul does of death called sleep. And I love to stand here at the funeral of a faithful Christian and say, this person went to sleep in this life and woke up in the presence of Jesus. That's what death is for believers. That's what Lazarus did. Do you believe this? Well, there's a second declaration here that we need to believe. That's found in verse 5. It's that Jesus loves us. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, John wants to make it clear that Jesus' delayed response to the sister's request was not out of spite or indifference or ignorance, but out of love. Does it surprise you that Jesus had a relationship with some people that was different than other people? It shouldn't. The Apostle John, who wrote this gospel, was known as the apostle that Jesus loved. Now, many of us grew up being taught that God loves everyone the same and everyone equally and um, that has led to a lot of heresy, particularly the heresy of the universal fatherhood of God and brotherhood of man. Now, God is, according to the scriptures, fatherly to all of his creatures that are made in his image. That is, he gives us common grace, reigns on the just and the unjust, but he is uniquely the father and loves uniquely those who receive his son, what we would call the friends of Jesus. Mary Martha and Lazarus were indeed friends of Jesus. They loved him and they believed in him and he loved them. What about you? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus loves you so much that he died in your place on the cross? Jesus said, no greater love has any man than this than he lays down his life for his friends. And then Jesus defined what it means to be his friend in John 15, 14. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And what Jesus commands every sinner to do is repent and believe on him. Obviously, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus repented of sins and believed on Christ. And he was their friend. He loved them. Third declaration found in verse 11, that Jesus is sovereign over death. And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He's speaking to his disciples but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll recover. 
Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So he plainly said, Lazarus is dead. Now, the Gospel of John was written, ultimately, to show the deity of Christ. That Jesus was more than a man and more than a prophet, but rather, he's God in the flesh. And only God is sovereign over death. Now, this is not the only time that Jesus showed his sovereignty over death. There were three people in the Gospels that Jesus raised from the dead. The first was Jairus' daughter. Do you remember this little girl who had passed away just minutes earlier? And Jesus called her from death into life. There was another occasion when Jesus was walking through the countryside with his disciples and he saw a funeral procession walking towards him and was moved with compassion. There was a widow woman who was mourning the death of her only son. He was still in the casket. Jesus called him into life. And, and then there's this story of Lazarus. Now the first two, your cynical, sarcastic friends would dismiss. They said, well, they didn't have medical technology in Jesus' day. These backward ancient people just thought these people were dead. They were only sick. And so Jesus pronounced some hocus pocus over them and resuscitated them and claimed to bring them back from the dead. Well, even if that were true, which it's not, the Bible says they were really dead. Lazarus was really, really dead. In fact, the scripture says when Jesus got there, he'd already been dead four days, and his own sister says, by now he stinketh. And without going into the gross details of the decay of a human body, it just suffices to say that you don't have to have a medical degree after four days to know if someone is really dead. So Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. That seems like a strange thing for Jesus to say. I'm glad I wasn't there for your sake. That is, you're about to see something greater than me healing a sick man. I'm about to raise the dead. Let's go. Note something here. Jesus is so sovereign over death that it is as easy for him to raise the dead as for one of us to rouse a sleeping friend. In fact, that is the metaphor Jesus uses for his death, falling asleep. Let's wake him up. Note also that Jesus' power over death is meant for our hope. In our assurance, not our fear. In fact, every time we go to a funeral of a Christian, it ought to be a reason for comfort and hope and assurance because of the fourth declaration found in verse 17 that those who die in Jesus will rise again. Do you believe this? Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he'd already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary. Now I, I grew up in the rural south, and funerals were a community event. I can remember where we still had sitting up with the dead. I know you city folk don't know what that means, so I'll tell you, okay? When, when a person in the country, in the rural south, would die, everyone in the community would come to that person's home and stay, and sometimes all night. And they would console the mourning people there. And the women in the community would bring food. And it was a several-day event. And uh, we've changed that over the years. But in, in Mary Martha's day, it was even more complex than that. They would hire professional mourners. 
And these women would come and they would wail and this would go on for a week and they were Baptists and they would bring food and everybody would eat. But Martha's heart was not on food. When she heard that Jesus was coming, she ran out to meet him and she said, Lord, if you'd only been here, Lazarus would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he'll give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Haven't you found that people react to the same stresses in different ways? Now the Bible doesn't say, but I suspect what we know about Martha. She must have been the oldest of the three. She's the one that always seems to be in charge. She feels responsible for everyone and everything we see this in Luke 10, 41, which records a happier occasion when Jesus was visiting in this home. He brought all of his friends and she had to cook and Martha was harried and frustrated trying to entertain so many guests and her sister is simply sitting at the feet of Jesus worshiping. Now Lazarus has died. The worst has happened. The sisters hear that Jesus is finally coming while Mary waits at home. Martha runs down the road to meet him and I, I think there's a little anger in her voice. And she says, Lord, if you'd been here, Lazarus would be alive. But Jesus does not rebuke her. He's patient and kind and reassures her with one sentence. He says, your brother will rise again. And composing herself, Martha replies, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha is orthodox in her eschatology. But come close and I'll tell you a secret. You can have orthodox theology and have your heart broken. Her orthodox theology told her that, yes, I know I'm going to see him again, but I'm hurting now. You see, Jewish understanding of the resurrection was, was not finally developed, but they understood there was going to be a resurrection. Daniel had predicted in his prophetic book. The Pharisees, who were the religious conservatives, believed it was true. The Sadducees, the liberals, said it's a metaphor. That caused them a lot of disagreement. But Martha had likely heard Jesus speak of the resurrection, like he did as recorded in John chapter 6, when he said, This is the will of him who sent me, that I will lose none of those he has given me, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. Jesus promised twice in one sentence to raise those that the Father gives him on the last day. Do you believe this, brothers and sisters? Do you truly believe that one day you will be reunited with your loved ones who've died in Jesus? What I'm asking is, do you believe the Bible? 1 Thessalonians 4.13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. There's Paul using that same euphemism that Jesus does. So that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who fall asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain into the coming of the Lord will not precede those who fall asleep. For the Lord himself would ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall always be with the Lord. Do you believe this? And comfort one another with these words. One more final declaration from John 11. I want you to believe. Do you believe that Jesus is the Savior of sinners? Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed. That is, I've believed in the past, I'm believing now, and I'm going to believe in the future. That you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. I think one of the greatest sentences ever uttered is this one. I am the resurrection and the life. And if there's one biblical truth this Easter Sunday morning, I want you to have crystallized clearly in your mind that I want you to walk away with and build your life on. It's this. The resurrection that we've come to celebrate here today is not something that happened to Jesus. The resurrection is who Jesus is. And there's a big difference than something happening to you and something being what you are. See, this statement that Jesus makes that he is the resurrection and the life is the fifth of seven such I am statements that we find in the gospel. And why are the I am statements so important? Remember I said John's purpose is to present Jesus as more than a prophet, but as God in the flesh. And when God spoke to Moses in the burning bush and told him to go to Egypt and lead the people out of slavery, Moses' question was, who will I say sent me? And he said, say, I am sent you, right? The self-existent one. When Jesus said, I am, he was claiming to be God. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the vine. And here in John 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. All of these statements point to Jesus as God in the flesh and Jesus as the Savior of sinners. Brothers and sisters, do you believe this? Do you believe that there is hope for this wicked world we live in? I pray you do. We are the only hope. The gospel we have as Christians is the only hope for this world. And look, I'm as disappointed and heartbroken and crestfallen as you are about what's going on in our culture. But I know this, Jesus saved sinners. Paul listed the grossest list of sins he could imagine and said some were, such were some of you. <laughs> and I can say the same for all of us. The Lord saved us and he can save our friends and he can save... Our neighbors, because when he said, I am the resurrection of life, he was saying he is the power behind the resurrection. And he is the cause of all life. He is the source of life, both physical and eternal. And when he asked Martha, do you believe this? She understood the assignment. Her response was perfect. She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Well, that's great for Martha, that's great for Mary, and it's great for Lazarus, but what about you? Do you believe this? 
Is Easter a time of celebration of Christ's victory over death, hell, and the grave, or is it just another passing holiday on the calendar? Do you believe these five things? Do you believe that this life does not end in death? Do you believe that one day, even if you die, and you will if the Lord doesn't come soon, I will too, is not the end that God is sovereign not only for the here and now, but for eternity. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus loves you so much that he died in your place on the cross? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ alone? Does he call you no longer enemy and stranger, but friend and son and daughter of the Most High? Do you believe that Jesus is sovereign over death? And what I mean by that is, not only is he able to defeat his own death and Lazarus' death, do you believe that your very life is in his hands? Do you believe that the moment of your own death is predestined by a holy God? You see, a lot of people that you know believe everything that we're reading about in the paper and on the news, all these events and tragedies that are going on are just happenstance. Just a random set of things that have happened that are totally unrelated to one another, and they would view the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, though they wouldn't believe it, literally. Just one of those happenstances. And yet we read Friday night from Acts chapter 2, where Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and said it happened by the predetermined will of God. Everything happened according to his plan. And friend, that includes my death and your death. It won't happen one second before or after he says so. He is sovereign over death. Do you believe that those who die in Jesus will rise again? If you do, you don't have to fear death. It's just falling asleep in this life. And remember what I said? It, it, it's, easy for, it's as easy for Jesus to resurrect you as it is for us to wake up a sleeping child which is kind of hard sometimes. But if we're persistent, even humans can do that. It's not hard at all for Jesus to resurrect the dead. Do you know how he did it? I didn't read that far. Three words. Lazarus, come forth. And a man that had been dead four days, wrapped up tightly with linen cloth, came out of the tomb. You know what's going to happen one day? The trumpet's going to sound. And every dead person who knows Christ as Lord and Savior is going to come out of the tomb. And he's going to say, wake up. Come forth. And the graves will open. Those who die in Jesus will rise again. Do you believe this? And most importantly, do you believe that Jesus is the Savior of sinners? I think I probably should have taken the plural off of that. Do you believe that Jesus is the Savior of a particular sinner? The one sitting in your seat today. Do you believe that Jesus is your Savior? That is, have you come to an end of your own attempts to please God and realize they all came up empty? Do you realize that salvation is not by works? It's by grace. It is a gift of God. Have you humbly and with faith, received what he did in your place on the cross, which is dying 
and taking the punishment that you deserve? Do you believe that your sin was imputed to Christ on the cross and His righteousness now is offered to you in its place? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. See, Lazarus was, was saved. and I've always wondered what Lazarus thought. <laughs> Did he want to come back? Here, here's what we know for sure. He's not here today. Lazarus died again, didn't he? And so did Jairus' daughter, and, and so did the son of the widow of, of Nain. See, to be a Christian, to have orthodox theology, does not mean you'll never suffer. It might mean you'll suffer more. It doesn't mean you'll never die, literally. You, you will if Jesus doesn't come soon. In fact, Hebrews says it's point to all of us to die and then to be judged. It just means you don't have to fear it. It just means you can lay your head on your pillow at night knowing if you died in your sleep, you'd wake up in the arms of Jesus. But let me say something very serious to you today. If you don't know Jesus here today, you're going to die too. It's pointed to you to die. And the difference is, as you sit here today and hear this gospel invitation, if you reject it, if you reject it, you are going to live eternally as well in hell with this regret that Jesus offered you forgiveness and you said no. And so I call you today to say yes to Jesus. I call you today to obey Him and prove that you're a friend of His by repenting of sin and believing on Him. Many hundreds around you have turned from their sin. See, the difference between a lost person and a saved person is not morality. The difference between a lost person and a saved person is that saved people are sinners who've been saved by the grace of God. And that grace, which means gift, is offered to you today. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. And it's a very clear word today. It's a familiar story. But Lord, there are five declarations here that we must believe. Most important, we must know with assurance that uh, Jesus died in our place. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus believed that. And because of that, they live eternally. Many loved ones of ours in this church believed that and died. And we'll see them again, those of us that know Christ, because they believe those things. Father, so many of my friends in this room not only believe these things, it is the anchor of their soul. So many of them going through difficult days, some of them cancer, some of them devastating diagnosis, and yet they do it with joy. They do it with peace because they know these things to be true, that Jesus is sovereign over death. And Father, I pray if there's a person in this room today who knows you not, who maybe is filled with anxiety and worry over their own mortality, that Father, today they would run to Jesus. They would give up their pursuit of works righteousness and they would cast themselves at the cross and say, Lord, have mercy upon me, the sinner. 
Lord, I'm reminded this week that a broken and a contrite heart you will not reject. Father, I pray that many would come to saving faith today. And when it happens, we'll give you all the glory, the praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, visit us online at fbckeller.org.